Welcome to the Jesus Collective Podcast. We're a network that exists to provide relationships and resources to amplify a Jesus-centered movement, and we seek to embody a more hopeful vision of following Jesus in our cultural moment. Join us as we learn from those who are looking to live out a greater Jesus centricity in their areas of leadership and mission. If you're new to Jesus Collective, welcome. Check us out on social media or at JesusCollective.com for ways you can connect to this growing movement. Okay, let's get into today's podcast. Well, welcome to our viewing audience, our listening audience today, as you are tuning into our ongoing series on the New Reformation. Uh, Shauna, hey, how you doing? I'm good. This has been fun, right? So far, the series that we're in, we're at the beginning of it still, but we've had some good conversation thus far, haven't we? It's been incredible. It's been like, okay, I, I, I can catch definitely Megan's heart here. And it's been so good Absolutely. to explore what we sense that so many people are already kind of leaning into out there. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm just curious, what's the weather like in Minnesota today? You know, it's fall. And so we're about mid to high 40s, which isn't bad. Um, if we were having that, so we're Fahrenheit, right? So if we were having that temperature, like, in March, April, we would be out like going to the beach, but we're starting to bundle up here because it's fall and the sun's not shining as bright. So how about for you? Well, it's, it's zero degrees Celsius. That's right. I I live in a land of a metric system. So I just translate that in some way. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. I Um, don't know. How do we even get along, Paul? Like, it's, we're going to so learn about that today. I think I think our guest <laughs> today is going to help us with our differences. Um, oh gosh! And so, yeah, it's snowing outside, and uh, I'm glad to be talking to you and both to our guest, uh, Mark Baker, is going to join us in Yay. just one second. Um, but before we do, let's again just set up this series. We're in a new Reformation series where we are looking at this theme of Reformation of of what we're noticing going on in the church. And we're kind of building a bit on the work of Phyllis Tickle that once suggested that about every 500 years or so that the Christianity that, that is established tends to go through an upheaval. So the last time would have been the Reformation with Martin Luther and the Anabaptists and, and, and all the things that grew out of that. And then previously to that, there was an upheaval in the separation between the church in the East and West. And, and, and this is just kind of a working theory of her. So we're not sure if if it is in fact true of what is what is actually going on, but it's it's at least something to think about and something in a process. And certainly, we're noticing in a post-COVID age all sorts of upheaval. So at least it's true in our micro context, even if it's not true in a macro context. So uh, today we continue in our. Our, our new Reformation series by looking at our shared statement today, the church is defined by our shared center and not by the lines we draw. We're going to get into that in just a second, but I want to welcome Mark to the podcast. Dr. Mark Baker, welcome here. Thank you very welcome. much. Thank you. Great. Uh, I'm always glad to have the opportunity to collaborate with Jesus Collective. Thank you. Well, the feeling's definitely mutual here. Um, Mark, could you share a bit about your context? Tell us a bit about who are, who, who are you? <laughs> so, yeah, I, so briefly, um, 
I'm from the uh, originally from the northeast part of the United States. And maybe uh, most significant thing about my youth is my father was a director of a Christian boys camp. And so a couple things that means for me, one is I had the, the great privilege of spending all my summers in the mountains. So upstate New York in the Adirondacks. And I continue to love mountains and you know, wilderness activities to this day. I'm now in Fresno, California. So rather than the Adirondacks, I head up to the Sierra Nevada. Um, and I'm the other thing about that was I had the opportunity. The camp was a it, yeah, a discipleship oriented camp in the sense that it wasn't like they brought in big speakers to do things. But, the you know, the, the high school, college people were the leaders. And so we learned by doing so I had a discipleship model from early on, which has also stuck with me. Um, so I'm currently a theology professor at uh, uh, Mennonite Brethren Seminary in Fresno, California, Fresno Pacific Biblical Seminary, and um, have been here quite a while now. I'm in my 24th year. Uh, before that, I was a missionary in Honduras for 10 years, doing a variety of different roles at different aspects of that time. And I've also, um, I was a campus minister with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship at Syracuse University in New York and Cornell. And I guess one other thing I'd like to mention, because yeah, you said professor and doctor and all that, that conjures up certain images, but um, yeah, tomorrow afternoon at uh, 3.30, I will be in Fresno County Jail where I lead a weekly Bible study. So that's a very important part of my life right oh. now as well. That's amazing. That's amazing. I, I guess um, I'm curious, just as a follow up, what is the weather like in Fresno, California? Yeah, today? well, maybe, I mean, maybe you want to relate to our experiences. So, yeah, you know, actually, it, I, I, today um, we have been in the 90s for just like forever. And it, it was in the 90s. Yeah, Fahrenheit obviously. Um, so today I'm celebrating that it's supposed to the highest supposed to be 89. And it's like, this is way too late, even for Fresno, California, for it to be that hot. So I'm, um, we're hoping for cooler weather. Not, not, you know, yeah. Listen, Mark, I have zero sympathy for you. <laughs> I don't know that anyone listening has any nope. sympathy for you. I mean, certainly not folks where Paul is or where I am. So, yeah. Miss oh, us. I don't know. You know, <laughs> we had just weeks of above 100 degree weather. Like it's it's too hot here. OK, but yeah, I'm yeah. from the northeast, so I'm, I'm a transplant okay. here. And, you <laughs> yeah, know, October right. is supposed right. to be cool and pretty leaves and all that. And that's yeah, right. <laughs> oh well it is like paul said so great to have you thank you for um taking some time to share with us about this um this statement that's a part of the new reformation what i love about these um these axioms that we're, we're discussing in this series is this isn't just one person sitting in their holy room coming up with this. this. This was people meeting together over several months from a variety of denominations and locations and backstory. And just, these are the things that really like bubbled to the surface and that really resonated. And so like Paul said today, we have you here for a reason. And that is, we're going to talk about uh, this statement. The church is defined by our shared center, not by the lines we draw. 
And as people listen to us today, they will get to know you more if they don't already, Mark, and all the, the resources and places in which they can find you and, and learn from you. But as you hear that statement, um, can you kind of share with us just what, what is your connection to that statement? What resonates mm-hmm. with you? What, like, what stirs within you when you hear that? Yeah, so I, um, I mean, the center part, you know, most excites me, but, but the connection is, um, at least in a, in a, in a lifelong sense is, is a lot stronger with the lines we draw. I mean, sort of sadly, and I yeah. guess that's where I'd like to start talking about, um, and then, then bring that to center. So yeah. And actually, so the, the book I've written, written on centered set church, um, the very, very beginning of the of the book, I talk about being, you know, a six, seven year old uh, driving home from church on a Sunday and looking out the window and seeing people mowing their lawns and and having the thought of, oh, they're not Christians because they're working on Sunday and they weren't in church. And so just to see, you know, what what was I doing in that moment? And again, listen to like a six or seven year old. I was drawing a line and I was putting myself and my family, we're on the good side of that line. We're, yeah, we're Christians. They're not. And then, um, and I kept doing that. And, um, you know, I, I remember in high school being just you know very uh, clear in my mind, these people around me who were smoking, drinking, doing drugs, dancing, um, you know, swearing, cheating on the test, like, and I wasn't doing it. it was, those were all lines I drew. And again, I put myself on the good side and looked at these mm. others as, you know, clearly either not Christians or not good Christians. And, and then things, um, things unraveled a bit for me, uh, in, in, I went to a Christian college and I met people that had different lines or different. Yeah. The content was different in their lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually, I mean, at that time, I wouldn't have used the line. I mean, I was law- drawing lines, but it was, you know, more rules. And so, and I remember I came home after my first year of college, quite critical of the legalism of my youth. And 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 in a pretty yeah, judgmental kind of way, I'd say, you know, finger pointing at my parents about, we're way too legalistic. We've got to get rid of this. And at that point, I thought that, I was like, I'm free from this. No more of this, you know, judgmental, legalistic Mark Baker. Um, but even right in that moment, I mean, just feel what I'm doing. I'm, and I, I was in the kitchen, you know, I, I was drawing a line between myself and my parents, mm-hmm. my legalistic parents. And here I am. And um, and so what uh, and so a, a key thing that stands out to me about that statement is, you know, not the lines we draw. And I what I came to see, and I didn't see it then, but over the years as, yeah, I graduated from college, went and lived in Honduras right away and got, you know, uh, had my world turned upside down and got quite passionate, you know, about a more holistic gospel issues of justice, helping the poor, um, living a more simple lifestyle. Um, oh, and, and I started going to a Pentecostal church, which was totally, I was from hey you know, now, hey background <laughs> and like, and yeah, this was all new, but, but I'm in all of those things. And I'm drawing, I was drawing new lines and now I'm looking judgmentally at people who aren't giving to help the poor, um, who aren't open to the gifts of the spirit, 
um, who, who, yeah, who, who have a narrow sense of the gospel. Um, and I was just as judgmental, if not more so as I had been, you know, back in high school when it was about drinking and dancing and that sort of thing. Um, so line drawing is, um, what, what, when I came to a moment of awakening was, and I, and I won't get into the details of that, but what I what I realized was, oh, you know, it's not the content that causes the judgmentalism. Like mm-hmm. it, it wasn't the the problem wasn't drinking, dancing, whatever. That 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 was what made me legalistic. It was the attitude of line drawing, and I did that, as I said, with other things that were quite good things. But I had this attitude of. Um, yeah, of judgmentalism. So I think a key thing about that statement is it doesn't give a whole list of, and you know, these are the things we don't get into because we don't want to be judgmental, but it's the action of line drawing. And you can be, you can be judgmental about all kinds of things, including line drawing itself. You know, I could be judgmental about other people's line drawing. What am I doing? Drawing a line. Um, so I had that insight that was in my, uh, yeah, I'd say late twenties that I first had this sense of, Oh, Mark, you know, it's not the content, it's this attitude you have, but it really wasn't, um, until years later, um, that I, I, I was introduced to the work of Paul Hebert, which brought me into thinking about the center as an alternative. So before we go there, mm. I think we have just a few of curiosities about the story that's unraveled. So yeah. Sean, after you first. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Well, first of all, you're a great storyteller. And so yeah. everyone go get his book <laughs> if, Please if you haven't already. Um, I, I feel like we could probably spend hours just listening to some different stories um, of, of your experience in your life. But I really love the fact that you were actually drawn to that part of the statement, not the lines we draw, drawn to not the lines we draw. Because I know here in America, at least it feels like, and I, I really, I try not to be judgmental as I say this statement, but it does feel like many of our congregations are centered around those particular lines like you were, and, and then before and and say we have a revelation and we realize oh we don't want to we don't want to rally around what we're against but we want to you know rally around what we're for before if we're not careful of what i was hearing you talk it made me realize if we're not careful we can easily just draw new lines and so um i don't know if if you have the answer for this, but what would you say in your experience has been the way in which you kind of backed away from new line drawing, if that's the way I could put it? Oh yeah. So I, um, that's a wonderful question. Let me get like two levels to it. So I think first is, or maybe three awareness, because I had thought you know, this 25 year old Mark Baker that's in Honduras and it feels like he has progressed so much. Like I think, well, compared to that, you know, legalistic 17 year old that headed off to college university, like I am so much a better Christian. Um, so there is an, uh, the, the awareness of, Oh, it's, it's, you know, the problem isn't quote legalism. Like when you're talking about those churches, Shauna, like there are very few Christians that would acknowledge that say proudly, oh, I'm a legalist. Um, right. And so we right. we hear my story and we think, oh, yeah, you know, that's that that legalism, that's a problem. But what I came to see was 
that we can be judgmental and line drawing about all sorts of things. So first, I think, is an awareness to be honest and say, oh, I'm being judgmental about this. I'm just putting new content into my lines. Um, and then with that awareness, then an honesty to, to be on the lookout for it, to, to recognize it rather than just resting in, oh, I'm right now. Like I'm doing the right things as compared to before, but say, am I, be, am I drawing a line between myself and others? And for me, you know, it, um, the, the, the thing I thought of when you asked the question was, well, it's encounter with Jesus. I mean, so that when, be, because it, this is not just a thing of stop it, you bad Christians, top drawing lines, but it's, you know, because of the grace, the, the loving embrace of Jesus, I don't have to draw lines. My security is not in, you know, having the sense that I'm better than these other people. I can rest in the embrace of Jesus. It's like, that's key. I think my follow-up oh, here. I'm writing that down. Yeah. Sorry. We're, just, we're so excited. We're talking over each other, but yeah, because of the loving embrace of Jesus, I don't have mm. to draw lines. Ah. Mm. Chef's kiss. So good. <laughs> so good. My, my follow-up curiosity about your story is, well, one, I hear so much of my own story in there. Um, and, and I think what I was hearing in your story specifically was sort of the, the illusion that sometimes when we've progressed in content, let's say we've shifted into more of a justice space or we've shifted, we've expanded our vision. Um, there's the assumption that that, that is not legalism that like that we can't hold progress in our life and yet um move away from judgmentalism and and i hear you saying like it's not about the content that you could be on any side of the political spectrum right. or a theological spectrum and still find yourself building us versus them building what you're going to talk about is bounded set so i think yeah. this is what i'm curious about is like how, how did you get to that space realizing that no one was immune from, from the, the blight of judgmentalism? Cause that's, yeah. So this, I skipped over it in the story, but the moment was I was in a, um, in a sort of Bible class, Bible study, um, at a, at a study program. And, and again, I'm like about 25, 26 out of Honduras. And, um, I mean, I've lived in Honduras for four years already. And the, the, the professor was standing at the whiteboard and he drew a circle. Um, no, no, he drew, he drew a, a line angling up. So imagine, you know, a line angling up. And he said, so, you know, many, many uh, Christians today, they feel like they're progressing. And then he put these steps on there and it was my story. You know, they left legalism and then they get into this and openness to the gifts of the spirit, you know, more just, and it's just my my points on there and said, they think they're progressing. And I said, yes, right. Then he drew <laughs> a circle. He drew a circle and he put the same points on there. And he said, you know, they're not really progressing. They're, they're, they're in the same, you know, they're just as like judgmental us, them as they had been. And he wasn't saying, as you just said so well, Paul, it's, it's not that the content had changed. I really was different at 25 than I had been at 18. But at that and that one thing, it was the same. And it was just a moment of illumination. I mean, I would, you know, it's one of those moments of conviction where you, someone's speaking to you and you just feel like, 
that's right. That is me. I mean, I saw myself on the whiteboard. So that was at, at that moment. And then not to say, okay, then since then I, you know, I've never drawn online again, but that was the moment of awareness of like, oh, I'm really very similar to that, you know, 17 year old high school, Mark Baker. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell okay. us, tell us then about, uh, let's pick up on the story. Tell us about Paul Hebert. Like yeah, what so, was your um, yeah. that? So the thing that Paul Hebert gave me, well, yeah. So first a little bit about him. So he, um, so he was, uh, I mean, a great missiologist and he, he started out his ministry career as a missionary in India. And, um, so he's in India and, and thinking about the question of how do we discern when someone is a Christian? And, you know, India is, I mean, um, Hinduism, the people were quite willing to accept Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Paul Hebert's from Kansas, Midwestern United States, and went with the idea, yeah, you know, someone says a prayer, accepts Jesus as their savior, they're a Christian. But he had these people who are accepting Jesus, you know, putting Jesus, you know, pretty literally up on the shelf with their other gods. So he goes through, how do we determine? And so he, um, what he borrowed from math, and and this is a, I mean, a, a beautiful thing, I think, is that anyone today that's talking about bounded sets, centered sets, fuzzy sets in relation to church, it all goes back to Paul Hebert because this is a mathematical concept. He's uh, He did his PhD in cultural anthropology. He borrowed it and applied it to churches. And so what he said, there's different ways of groups um, defining who belongs. And so we have um, a bounded set, a fuzzy set, and a centered set. And, mm-hmm. and right now, for those of you who are listening, um, this is a very visual thing. I mean, the bounded, the things I'm going to talk about is it's visual, it's diagrams, and you're not seeing them right now. So I encourage you, if you go to my uh, website, centeredsetchurch.com, and you scroll down to the, the second slide, there's a thing that says free PDFs. And if you click on that, you will have the diagrams of these things I'm going to talk about right now. So I encourage you, hit pause, get those. And okay, here we are back. And, ahead, and dear listener, I will let you know that we'll include that in our show notes as well. So in case you're looking for an easy link if you're on your podcast provider, it'll be right there. Great. Okay. So, so a bounded group, um, Hebert says is, is a group that draws a line, a, a circle, and then there's, and it's just what we've been talking about. Then the content of that line determines who belongs and who doesn't. And you could just use any of the examples I gave you. Those That was bounded set, bounded group thinking. And what it, it does is it's clear, um, but it's also static. You know, you're in and you're set. You don't have to do anything more. I've, I believe these things. I've done these things. I'm in. Um, and as in my story, it lends itself towards judgmentalism. Um, so, and what, what then is... Um, yeah, a thing that I, I you could do when you realize this, a fuzzy set is um, is the opposite of it in the sense that it's on a continuum. And so picture a continuum. So a fuzzy set is a group with no lines. And mm. and this this happens in churches. I mean, you can see it that people, you know, hear the kind of thing I was talking about. 
this bound. They say, yeah, let's get rid of the lines. These lines are the problem. And that is, I mean, in the statement, this line drawing is a problem. Well, erase the lines. But if you erase the lines, so you just take a bounded group, bounded set, has a circle, you erase the line, what do you have? You have, a, you have a group without distinction, without definition. And that's why it's called fuzzy, because there's not a clear boundary of who's in, who's out. So it's a fuzzy group. And so, yeah, Hebert called that a fuzzy set, fuzzy church um, that lacks that definition. So then what do we, if, if that's all we have, then, okay, so we try to, you know, kind of get in the middle. So we're not, you know, too bounded, but not too fuzzy. But thankfully, Hebert points us to a third alternative, so we can't use our yeah good third-way language here. Um, so a third alternative, which is a totally different paradigm, um, but again, borrowed from math, so it's a centered set. And in a centered set, rather than drawing a line and defining who's in or out by looking at the line, you define a center, and the center defines the group, and then you look at people's orientation. And in the diagrams, any of the arrows, you know, people heading towards the center are part of the group. They're in. They belong. And those that aren't oriented toward the center, not heading toward the center, they're not part of the group. And so in contrast to a fuzzy thing, which avoids the problems of the bounded, but it doesn't have this clear definition. You're not even sure, you know, who belongs? How do you know who belongs? In a centered set, there is a clear sense of belonging or not belonging, in or out, but it's it's based on orientation towards the center. And so a beautiful thing about the centered is um, my security, well, I'll say it the other way, in a bounded set, a bounded church, my security is in the line. And even think back to my stories. What made me know I was a good Christian is because I did these things or I believe those things. It's the line that tells me, Mark, you're a good Christian. But if we go centered, where is my security? My security is in the center. So my security of belonging to the group is because I'm facing the center. And then I it doesn't require me to look at you Paul or Shauna and evaluate, well, are they in or out? Where are they in relation to the line? What I look at and say, oh, they're walking towards the center with me. And we can be in different places. And Hebert makes a very clear thing about this. You can be very far from the center, but if you're oriented toward the center, if you're heading that way, we welcome you. Um, so Paul Hebert uh, bounded fuzzy and centered set, which he borrowed from math and applied to the church. Which is already amazing because like as a seminary student myself, uh, I had no math classes. So like, <laughs> I don't know too many pastors that are that great at math. Uh, do you have a math course? At no, school? no. Like, yeah, right? I know. The, I gave, it's yeah, just I hilarious, right? It's like, maybe so, this yeah, is I what we've know. been... We've been missing all along in the church is we've been missing these disciplines that we could bring into, like bring in the mathematicians, bring in the, the architects, bring in, bring in these folks that can help us see things from different perspectives. So that's, that's just amazing. I'm curious (laughs) about like a bit more clarity. How do you define what the center is? Like, and, and how do you get agreement around that? And 
and is this particular to ideas or is it particular to perhaps like a personhood of Jesus? Can you give us a bit more insight to the center and how, how to recognize what a center is? Okay. Well, I, I love that you said personhood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So let me start there. So I mean, Jesus and yeah, as Christians, Jesus is our center and the God revealed by Jesus Christ is our center. And, and, and it's not just beliefs about Jesus. It's not information. It's the person of Jesus. Is it's our the center. living Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, so when I, when I wrote the book about this, when I teach about this, like, yeah, I'm, I hope you can feel it. I mean, I'm passionate about this. Like I want everyone to latch onto this. Like this is really helpful. Um, so I am not, uh, yeah, I'm not prescribing this for just one particular type of church. So in defining the center, the first thing I'll say is, um, churches will have different centers. So I'm going to say, Hey, we're Christians. Jesus is our center. And, and that's something as Christians, we could all say, yes, Jesus is our center. But I mean, just a simple thing is, um, yeah, I mean, for, for Anabaptists, I'm a Mennonite, you know, believers baptism is a really big deal. That's part of our center. Um, but if I'm a Presbyterian, then, you know, well, it's infant baptism. I mean, that's, that's a different thing. It's a different center. So churches, um, the center is Jesus, but yeah, a church will, it will include beliefs. Um, it includes ethics, things that we as a community, um, you know, in following the Bible, think are appropriate actions and inappropriate ones, beliefs that are core and not. Um, and so, yeah, I guess it, what I'd say is defining the center is very important, but that's not something yeah, I writing a book about centered set church are going to do for you because yeah, it would be different than some of the things you would have. Yeah. Thank you for fleshing that out a little bit. I just want to say, as I'm just listening to you, I really love the belonging language that you used when talking about being centered set. Um, because I feel like so many folks feel like they have to have it all right or, or they're out. And so that belonging language speaks to like being able to leave space for the process as long as our, like you said, our orientation is to the center and we're moving in that direction. I think that's, that's, that statement will be freeing for a lot of folks in particular, if we're talking about Jesus at the center, just the movement toward him. So um, not a question, just a, a response to what you said and a thank you for pointing that out because that belonging language is really important. Yeah, well, and then l- let me respond, make a response to your response. I and mean, what that triggers in me, the belonging language too, is um, to, to feel the difference, not just between centered and bounded on belonging, but also centered and fuzzy. Um, so, and one thing to, to be very clear, this is where I think people, um, yeah, people that like, that are, that like, no, I'd say people that are nervous about leaving bounded because these are important things, you know, their beliefs, their actions. And so they're, they, they, they feel, Oh, I'm not sure, you know, we, we can't go soft on this. 
and to point out, no, you know, like a centered church takes its beliefs seriously and, it, you know, ethical comportment, um, commitment. But as you said, uh, well, Sean, there, there's space, there's space for messiness. I mean, there's space for people to be in process. Um, but it's, it's different than a fuzzy where fuzzy would, they want, they don't want the judgmentalism. They want belonging, but there's, there's not a clear sense of what we're about. There's not a sense of identity. And so centered, um, there are people that don't belong, that that aren't oriented towards the center, that aren't part of this. And we can say, and in a non-judgmental way, just say, yeah, you know, this is this is what we're about. You're you're into other things. You're heading in a different direction. Um, you're welcome to come join us, but but you're yeah, you're not oriented toward this center. Which is probably a difficult conversation to have because I think like when when I've shared this with some folks in my context, there's sometimes the sneaking suspicion. Oh, is this just a, a fancy way through diagrams and math uh, to, to suggest like a relativism? Oh, nothing matters. And yet, like, I think what I'm hearing is actually it really does matter. The center is articulated. And so I think what the question I have in this moment is like how how is it that a center set is an alternative to obsessing over boundaries or erasing them? Like, how do you see that getting fleshed out? Maybe choose like an example issue. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Pick an issue. There's enough of them. We're all wrestling through and and just model how, how this could be an alternative approach. Yeah. So um, let me, so this issue, I mean, the one that just pops to my mind, it, probably because I use it in the book, and it, it's from Honduras, and it's, um, yeah, foreign probably to many of us, but it's very clear. So, it, so in um, there, there are many people in Honduras, you know, very poor country, and, and many people are not legally married because. Uh, because of the cultural expectations that you have to have a party and, you know, a big thing. And so people, a lot of common law marriages. So churches, and and there's good in this, are pretty strict about they want people to actually get married. And that's especially important for protecting women. So that's that's a good thing. But it tends to be done in a very bounded way. And then what it does is people that aren't legally married, if they're in a common law relationship, I mean, yeah, at, at some churches, I mean, refer to them as fornicators. I mean, you know, they can't take communion. I mean, it's very bounded. So that's that they're obsessing over the line, right? What they see is the line. Oh, you're not legally married. Um, you, and, I mean, if you're single, that's OK. But if you're you know, living with some common law, you can't be in. So what would a fuzzy approach would be is, oh, no, like, you know, doesn't matter. Like doesn't matter. Everyone. Um, and so, and what's wrong with that is Say free love, people. There are times that people are doing things that are hurting themselves, and yeah, and seeing in, in the marriage example that to be that to be called not to be you know all down on them, but to say, um, yeah, like you know you're you know, you're, you're actually in relationship with three different women. Like, uh, this isn't good for you or them like fuzzy. It's Hey, whatever, you know, I'm whateverism is the word I use in the book. So, um, what is centered offer that's different is centered offers the possibility. And I just said this in class this week, uh, centered bounded puts rules, lines, 
um, over people. And centered is the opposite. It doesn't throw out the rules, guidelines, ethics, but it puts people over the rule. And what I mean by that is not that a person like Trump's the rule, you can do whatever you want, but it, we look at the person with concern and we ask questions. Um, what's going on? And not just, oh, they're not married, end of the thing. So this church I was involved in in Honduras, that after our studying Galatians together, they started heading towards becoming a more centered church. And they they were like that. They were bounded. I mean, they had people in their church, three or four women that were in common law marriages, weren't participating, couldn't be leaders, um, very faithful attenders. So the leaders say, okay, what are we going to do about this? And they decided we're going to go visit these women and discern. And so notice right there, they're not just, they're not bounded that, well, hey, they're not married. You know, they're out. They're going to go discern. And so, um, and what they found, so the first one they went to visit, she had been in a common law relationship for 17 years. Her husband wasn't a Christian, refused to get married. I mean, she couldn't, you know, you can't get married on your own. And when the church leaders went and visited her, and, and this story is in the book. I won't get into details, but, but they left impressed, you know, like this woman, she has a better relationship with her common law spouse than some of them did with their, you know, legally married spouses. And so, and they, they invited her into, you know, full participation in the church because they discerned she's headed towards Jesus. And mm. we're not just based on this law going to obsess over the line and say, no, she's not in. They've looked at the situation. So that's that's one example of, of that. And but but I want to add, you know, it's these things matter in the sense um, like there's fruit to this. Mm. I mean, boundedness, obsessing over lines, it's shaming, it leads to you know, exclusion, it feeds polarization. That's, um, that's where I want to go next with this is and, kind of, and it's, ask, yeah, it's strict, but it's superficial because a bounded set can only use things in its line that are possible of fulfilling, of complying with. Whereas, you know, um, a centered, there's possibility of much more profound change because we can take on the risk of saying, you know, we are committed to this, even if we're not you know, fully arrived yet. Um, and it's, well, yeah, back to the belonging, there's a sense of belong. It's very invitational, but it's not whatever. It's not the partial love yeah. of, I'm not really going to talk to you about this stuff in your life because Hey, we're fuzzy. Okay. Um, okay. So in my context at my church, we, we like to say this, we like to say everyone can belong and that, and that we set up like a, a three tier where like belong, believe, behave mm -hmm. in that order, right? Like that we would want to create space. And it, it's usually a striking comment. Every time I, I say that to someone that you can belong and be a part and, and honestly experience genuine community without the sort of like, well, you look like us, you look like our boundaries. And, and what I'm discovering, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this is how, how is bounded set or fuzzy set showing up in a secular space in, you mentioned polarization. Well, this, and, and maybe our, our, our listening audience is tuning in right now. We've been talking a lot about the church right now. 
but I'm actually curious, what is the good news that something like this gathered around Jesus has for people in a secular context? Would you, would you say that people are experiencing bounded set communities in our hyper algorithmically organized lives where we have niche uh, algorithm based? Yeah. Yeah. I think we're in a, um, yeah, 10 years ago, you know, I would have just said, yeah, society is, you know, tolerance, a supreme virtue, uh, you know, relativism, whatever ism, fuzzy. And, and I would have, yeah, answered your question in terms of that. And I think we're in a very interesting setting now, um, where that's still true. I mean, in the sense that, you know, there's still a sense of tolerance and supreme virtue. And if, if I'm with you face to face, you know, it'd be very hesitant. I mean, speaking generally society to, to say something critical or confront you about something like that's just, no, you know, let's, you know, be nice. Don't make someone else feel bad. But yet in, you know, in so many other, you know, in social media contexts or talking about other people, there's just like all kinds of boundedness in society right like now. Hatred. Like I've heard stories of pastors, like they, someone finds out that their pastor voted for that party and mm-hmm. it's like half the church leaves. Yeah. Cause they just can't bear to, to think that, Oh, I'm, I'm associated with that person. Yeah. So, uh, so I think, um, I think the, I think the centered approach has, uh, yeah, this, dual thing to offer of it offers something richer, more robust and more profoundly loving than fuzzy. Mm. Um, but it, it, it enables, I mean, this polarization thing is really, really deep and I don't want to be flippant and just say, Oh, you know, go buy by book, you know, use these diagrams and we'll all be fine. If only um, it was that easy, you know, it's really deep, but, it, but I, I do think it, it provides an alternative vision for church that can create the possibility of us having differences, um, without having to, yeah, to, to go in and out us, them, because we can remind ourselves, we share this common center. Mm-hmm. Um, so to, to your thing, I, to your question, I think for people in society that are just yeah worn down by the, the us, them cancel culture polarization, if we have something different to offer, then we can be invitational. Mm-hmm. But as I said, it just in class yesterday, I mean, I was talking about something else, but I said, but we can't do that until we have the community, right? I mean, we just yeah. can't say in theory, we, we need, we need to be a community in which that's happening. But I think it does have, um, well, it's clearly needed. Um, and I think it does have that potential. Mm. Yeah. Like circling back to th- that belonging stuff. I'm sorry. I'm a little stuck on it. I- Shana is a connections um, pastor and loves people. So (laughs) here we go. (laughs) But even with what you're saying, like the difference between centered set and bound a fuzzy set, um, I think fuzzy can is very ambiguous and people maybe don't even understand like why they do belong or don't belong or, you know, uh, but where, where, what I'm hearing is with centered set, when we're moving um, toward 
the same direction where we're oriented toward the center, then it kind of gives individuals the onus to decide whether they want to move toward that or not. So it's not like the church or the community is saying, you crossed a line, you don't belong, but it's almost at what I, what I'm envisioning is people just saying, yeah, that's not where I'm interested in going. And so I can, they can on their own opt out. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm way off there, but that's just kind of what's swirling around for me right now. Yes. I mean, from, from when I, when I did the interviews, so for, to, before I wrote the book, I went out and did a lot of um, interviews of people, individuals and focus groups that, you know, talk to me about how you're seeking to, to be centered church. Um, and, and people said that regularly, Shauna, that they, they didn't, there wasn't this sense of, okay, and now we need to go do church discipline because this person that, Mm. that if you're, if you're talking about this and centered oriented, then people were, you opting out of, Hey, that's not me. Not to say that's always the case. I think it's important in contrast to fuzzy, um, to say there, there are times that people told me stories where they felt the need, um, to say to someone, Hey, that is not what we're about. Um, yeah. And actually I heard stories both ways. I mean, sometimes it was about being bounded, you know, that there's someone in a small group that is, expressing, you know, this, yeah, judgmental bounded attitude. And so the leader of the group needs to say to that person, um, you know, pull them aside and say, that's not who we are. And because otherwise then the group becomes bounded. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yes, I think that's a very good observation. So you you mentioned, uh, just now that you had gone out and interviewed all these churches and I'm like, really curious. Tell me about like, what is your experience of a centered set of church? Maybe someone's listening in and their primary experience is kind of much like your story of your upbringing of uh, perhaps, a, a, you know, a church that draws lines, a, a bounded set church. How would you describe how your experience of, of encountering these churches that are trying to put this into practice? Um, Okay. Let me, let me answer that question two different ways. Um, so I want to start with not my going out, but just the church I'm attending right now, um, is, uh, yeah, the pastoral staff, they are, they're all very intentional about, um, a centered set approach. And, uh, it's, it impresses me how often, even just in listening to a sermon where I'll feel like I'm a, a, you know, a plant that's thirsty and I just feel like I'm getting, and I'll sit think, wow, what if I would have heard sermons like this, you know, as a 15 year old, as a 17, if I had grown up with this. So, so for me, yeah, uh, being in a, in a church that's intentionally seeking to be centered, there's, there's a sense of, yeah, just for me personally of life in it, of, of feeding something in my soul and, you know, still getting the toxic shame and theology of boundedness. I'm still getting it washed out of my system. So that's, that's one experience, which for me is very concrete. And again, I just want to, you know, affirm that it's not casual, like the, the, the pastors are, 
intentionally in their preaching, in, you know, making, uh, decisions, they're seeking to be centered. Um, then, uh, Another thing, yeah, the second is this church in Honduras, which we've been, I mean, I, I haven't lived in Honduras for a long time, but we visit regularly. And to have seen a community that was very bounded um, and has done the hard work of working through that and seeking to be bounded and seeking to be centered. And uh, just to capture a few years ago when we were visiting a woman, um, so yeah, I was leading preaching and I had, at one point I had the people split up into, you know, little small groups and do the discussion. And the group my wife was in, she told me a woman who had just been going to the church for a month or so said, um, you know, I, I used to, in the church I went to before, like I was trying to change my life, but it, it felt like it was just so, you know, hard. And I was always, be, they were critical. She said, now I'm changing because I'm loved. And I just mm. thought, that's oh. right. I mean, that's yeah. what you want to say, you know, yeah. is that it's, mm -hmm. it's, she's saying, and yeah, and she, this was, that came out of her mouth. Like we weren't even fishing for that. And I just thought that's, that's a centered, that's fruit of a centered approach. Um, now, specifically to when I went out and did the interviews, and this, this is probably not exactly what you're asking, Paul, but it, it, I found it fascinating, and it's what came to mind when you asked the question. So I imagine going out to churches and, like, then getting case studies of, you know, okay, what to do in X situation. And I get a story from this church, and then I, that'd be a chapter in the book. And what I found out quickly was that was wrong, Mark, that there is not, there is not the centered way of responding to X situation. Mm. And so, and if you look at the book in the table of contents now, yeah, there, there's a chapter on character qualities of a centered approach, because what I, what I, what impressed me as I listened to people and here, the way I'm saying this, I'm crediting the people I'm listening to, right? This was not me, the author who had these ideas. Now I need to find some examples to stick in. I was schooled by the people I was interviewing, listening to. And what I saw was that it's, it's the character of a centered approach. That, mm. that's, the, that's the stable thing. That's what you bring to the situations. But the same situation will be handled in a variety of ways because in a centered approach, again, you're looking at the person and their situation. So then therefore, you know, it's the, um, it's the characters, characteristics of compassion, curiosity, of creativity, uh, like having, creating a, a place, a sense of safety, humility, it, those, it was that character that I saw in these leaders um, in centered set churches that I think was, yeah, the, the key element then in living out the centered approach. Mm. Such good stuff. Um, I am, I'm imagining folks listening and just ferociously writing. And so we definitely want to make sure that we get your book title and where they could find it out there. And also again, your website, but to kind of wrap up our conversation that has been so good. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mark, what advice would you have for a leader who is listening um, and is considering bringing the centered set to their context? 
Thank you. Uh, yeah, I love that question. Um, so I'll say two things. And yeah, I mean, let's say, hey, you know, get my book. Like in the sense, um, the book is filled. It is very intentionally. It's about how to live this out. I mean, bounded, centered, and fuzzy. Google it. It's all over the place. You can find blogs, sermons, but there's no resource like how to do this. So there's lots of positive examples. But the two things I think, yeah, I really want to underscore. One is we can't do this alone. So, you know, if I'm leading a small group, I just can't read this book and they say, okay, we're gonna have a centered small group. The people in the group need to be on board. You can't do this. If you're a pastor, you can't just read the book and, and then, okay, I'm going to be centered the people in the congregation. So, and with that in mind and recognizing not everyone is going to read the book, um, with Jesus collective, I made a series of five videos for use in groups and with leaders and churches because I think it's really necessary that there's shared language about this. I and mean, there's a huge mm -hmm. asset if, if you can say, this is what we're trying to do. And people know, oh, right, we're centered. So I think it's a key thing is to, to get, the, um, get the concepts out there and then you can work at it together. And so, yeah, th there's these five videos, short 15 minutes each, that go over the basics. It's not the whole book, the first few chapters. So I would commend that to you. But yeah, and if not the video is just in whatever way, get that material out there. The other thing is the God of the center. The, yeah, these diagrams, I mean, I think they're great. It's not the gospel, right? This is, this is something Paul Hebert borrowed from math we use. Um, and you could have all the diagrams and have nice and nice explanations. But if, if a person's concept of God is a God of conditional love, mm. it's not going to matter. Their experience is going to be bounded. So it is of mm. utmost importance that we are not just drawing, you know, these diagrams on a whiteboard, but that we are proclaiming the God revealed by Jesus Christ that is a God of unconditional love. And so that is, yeah, those are the two things that I would highly recommend as advice as you go out and seek to do this. Oh, that's, that's that. so important. Yeah, that is, that's so good. I often find we can, we can set up models where unless there is Jesus, it really will fall apart. Even as we talk about mm -hmm. whether it's bounded set or centered set, e even relationships to how we use power and how we have conversations mm -hmm. of justice. It's like you need that defining narrative, um, that, that truth that is a person instead of an ideology of Jesus. So, so mm -hmm. good. Um, so I have a more of a future future oriented question here. And, and I'm just curious if, if a centered set approach became true of the global church, what would change? How do you think this would impact if this just bled out into how, how Christians formed communities and, and structured what it meant to be, to belong to each other? Well, then the, the first thing I thought of is right now. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly in the United States and I, I know, yeah, in my experience in Honduras, um, we don't have a good reputation. I mean, we we Christians. Right. I mean, we are we are lumped with people who who those of us listen to this podcast, you know, may be embarrassed about it and everything. But people see us 
they lump us together and we're known as judgmental line drawing. So if, if this truly spread, it, I think would hold out the possibility of, um, yeah, changing our reputation and then, and truly not just what our reputation, but then fruit that would come with that, that people would come out of curiosity of experiencing something different. Um, and then the, the other thing, yeah, I mean, just uh, both bounded and fuzzy are debilitating. They, they hinder profound discipleship. So I would, it would also, yeah, for me, excite me about the possibilities of our world needs Jesus, needs Jesus followers. There is great need. And this, um, I think, would produce, um, yeah, profound discipleship. So good. Um, I have a question. <laughs> you know, first I have a comment. I'm so sorry. Welcome to the two hour podcast, guys. Um, kidding. Uh, but when you were when you were talking about the advice for a leader and moving towards centered set, and even when you're, when you're talking about now about what it could look like if globally all the churches uh, moved in this direction, how how transforming that would be. I was reminded of the importance of community and what we're saying, like for us to come together to move together in this direction. My dad used to always say, if you think you're a leader and you're moving in a direction and you turn around, no one's following you, guess what? You're just taking a walk. <laughs> you're, not, you're not leading anybody. So with that, Mark, uh, what gives you hope with New Reformation? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, pondering that a bit. So I grew up, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be 65 in a couple of weeks. So yeah, I'm a child of the 60s, 70s. Uh, Christian. So I grew up very bounded. And also, you know, it was a time of, yeah, in the heart of modernity about, you know, the right information and facts and inerrancy, the Bible. And um, so for me um, in this time of, yeah, I, Jesus has just become so important to me in part because of you know, some significant encounters and freedom from shame I was carrying that just, and, you know, a personal sense, but then, yeah, in the context of, of ministry, whether in Honduras or tomorrow when I'm in that, you know, in the jail, um, meeting Jesus. So I, for me, a sense of new reformation, the possibility of getting beyond that boundedness and, um, and just, you know, over tension about facts and information of my childhood and having a sense of Jesus being centered. And going back to, yeah, way in the beginning when Paul said this, you know, not just beliefs about Jesus, but Jesus. So, mm. you know, if, if that's new reformation, that, that excites me. Um, mm -hmm. So good. Mark, thank you. I probably thanked you a dozen times during this, but thank you. Um, can you just one last time, let folks know how they can find you, find your resources, find your book or I mean, not show up on your doorstep, but how can yeah. they, they find you online? Sure, come to Fresno. Um, yeah. you're Packing my bags right now. Uh, <laughs> Don't right. have to ask me twice. No. Wait, wait till January, February. Okay. Um, 
so centeredsetchurch.com is a website I created specifically for this and has information about the book, about these videos and a, a commentary I've, I'm writing I and mean, it's in copy editing right now on Galatians read through the lens of centered set. Um, mm-hmm. So information all about that on centeredsetchurch.com. And um, yeah, I think there's a link on that to my personal website, which has my email address at here, Mark Baker, mark.baker at fresno.edu. And, um, and yes, so that's how you can find me and the book. And I just, I'd like to, um, yeah, I don't know if we're ending this, but this is my last word I, above me here on my bulletin board. I have a picture of a lake um, with, you know, like a stone that's thrown in the middle and ripples going out. And, um, and I pray every morning that the ripples of the centered church would go out. And, and I, I can't do that um, my, myself. So just to all those listening, I, I hope that you will find this helpful. But then also that you will pray and listen. You know, who else can you share this PDF with this podcast? Um, let, let these ripples flow, please. Mm. Yes, and amen to that. Let these ripples flow. All right, to our listening audience, thank you for inviting us into your space and for listening to this delightful and rich conversation with Mr. Dr. Pastor Theologian (laughs) Mark Baker. (laughs) It has been a delight. Uh, Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to check out JesusCollective.com where you can find more resources and upcoming events, learn about getting involved through partnership, and donate so we can keep offering content like this and engage more people and churches around the world. We'd also love to hear from you, so feel free to reach out to us with your ideas and feedback. You can drop us a message on social media or email us at connect at jesuscollective.com. Until next time.